How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to 19-Year-Old Shrink. This is Will John Grande. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Hayden Lee. Hayden is an executive life and leadership coach who founded Hayden Lee Coaching International. He's been chosen as one of the top 20 life coaches in LA the last five years, I believe, by Enterprise.com. He's a certified practitioner of the Leadership Circle Profile, Leadership Culture Survey, and the Integrative Enneagram Personality and Motivation System. He works with highly motivated and successful leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs who are ready to take massive leaps in their personal life and professional career. I'm not going to lie. I did take a lot of that off of your About Me section on your page, Hayden, but thank you so much for joining. Really looking forward to talking. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Will. Thank you for having me. I think the idea of this podcast is awesome. I think what you're up to in the world is pretty great. So I'm excited to see uh, what we discussed today. Awesome. Great. So I know I've probably asked you like half these questions when we we first talked and I think it was like late February um, in LA. But first off, just for listeners, what led you to wanting to become a coach in the first place? Hmm. Great question. Uh, So before I was coaching these like high level CEOs and these successful business leaders and entrepreneurs, I was actually coaching teenagers. So I was doing life coaching for teenagers and young adults. And what led me to coach teenagers and young adults was because I was an SAT tutor before. So I was doing um, SAT tutoring and college prep uh, for teenagers and um, college essay prep as well for teenagers. And when I was doing tutoring, it's mostly for high high school students. I realized um, when I started asking them, deeper questions about their passions and uh, their interests and just their limiting beliefs. I realized that a lot of them didn't know what they believed in or what they were passionate about, that they just kind of studied because their parents told them to, or they were, you know, taking the SATs because that's what they were supposed to do. Uh, But they really didn't have an idea of like who they really were or really what, you know, the impact they wanted to make in the world. And that kind of bothered me that, you know, these students were really stressed out, wanting to get straight A's, get into good colleges and get good test scores, but they didn't even know why they were doing it. So I came across a a website called Academic Life Coaching, which was specifically learning how to become a life coach for teenagers to help teenagers really find more purpose and passion and meaning in in what they do to help teenagers increase their self-awareness, to help them really become the leaders in their own life, uh, to, to manage their relationships better, to communicate better, to manage their emotions better, to manage their mindset better. And it was just everything I was looking for that I wasn't getting as a tutor because I really wanted to make a difference in young people's lives. Yeah. And as a tutor, yeah, you might get help them get good grades and good test scores, but I didn't really care about that. I really wanted teenagers to really have a lot of fulfillment in their life. So I got, that was my first life coach training was uh, academic life coaching, working with teenagers And I loved it, honestly, just working with high school students and uh, some college students and just helping them like be the take, be the driver's seat in their own life. Right. Just like love their life, you know, have great relationships with their friends and their family, have great relationship with their professors, um, you know, manage their mindset well, manage their emotions well. 
And that's how it all started was I just really wanted to make a bigger impact on, on young people and helping them. I call it PPF, right? Helping young people find their purpose, passion, and fulfillment. Great. I feel like you're very relatable when you're talking about like the SAT prep, because a lot of times like in high school or like middle school, you kind of do a lot of things that you're told that you have to do and that you have to be successful at. And sometimes you don't know the reason, but when you start to grow up, you start to realize, is this really benefiting me? And like understanding that your why is important and starting to learn like what's also not important to be doing and what you can say no to is really cool. And it's cool that you were able to discover that for you know, other kids and help them like gain that realization. And what's the difference between dealing with, you know, when you started out with like high school kids versus these, you know, executives that you're dealing with now, are they still lacking that direction? Are they still lacking that focus? What's like the big difference between the two? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, um, my coaching, well, my coaching skill set has definitely improved in the last decade. <laughs> yeah. Coaching, like, and coaching is all about asking really good questions. So I think my questions have definitely gotten better. Uh, so my coaching has improved, but in, in terms of the difference between coaching, let's say like a 16 year old and coaching a 56 year old, right? Which I've done both now, both <laughs> ends of the spectrum. There's really not that much difference, honestly. I mean, the, the context of what we're talking about is different, right? Rather, it might be anxiety about SATs, anxiety about college, or working with maybe a successful executive, anxiety about this multi-million dollar deal they're going to close, or anxiety about the merger that they're having with this company, or the anxiety about COVID right now and coming back to work after COVID. So what we talk about in terms of context is different. However, the, the the fears that people have, the assumptions people make, the limiting beliefs they have, the, the, the inner critic we all have, that's all the same, which is pretty remarkable that what I've learned as a coach working with at this point, probably over a thousand different types of people, that the human condition is the same, is that the number one obstacle is ourself, right? So this idea of fear and, and, and overcoming fear and having more confidence in what you do, not making assumptions about other people, like that's all the same. So like whether you're 16 or 56 or 66, we all make up stories in our head and our, our thoughts impact our actions, right? And then our actions create our reality. So in terms of helping people manage their thoughts and emotions better, that's the same. And that's what makes us human is that no matter how old you are or what level of success you have, it's managing the stories that you tell yourself that makes the difference between success or failure. Totally. And, you know, at the, the underlying core, this seems like you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, just that the insecurities are very similar, but it's basically what is causing those insecurities that might be different, whether it's an SAT or a multi-million dollar deal or something like that. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Absolutely. And that's why, you know, the, the skill set of coaching is that I'm a subject matter expert on coaching, that I'm able to draw out, you know, the best in people. I'm able to hold a mirror up to people to help them see what they're doing well, but also help them see what they can improve to help them see what needs to change and shift in their mindset and within themselves. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter 
what we're talking about, whether it's because I've never, you know, I've coached college students, which obviously I have experience being a college student, but I've also coached, you know, physicians and lawyers, engineers, CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies. And I'm none of those latter things I mentioned, right? But <laughs> but they don't hire me to tell them how to be a better, you know, doctor per se in terms of medical skills, but they hire me to become a more well-rounded leader in the doc in the medical field. And that's what I'm good at is to help people realize like um, help them see how they can get how they get out of their own way, how they can leverage their strengths, manage their weaknesses. So yeah, to answer your question, it doesn't matter who the person is. They just need to have a desire to want to learn, to grow, to be willing to step outside their comfort zone. So, and that's really the main the main thread is it doesn't matter what age you are, but if you really have a desire to become a better version of yourself, and you're willing to grow and learn new things, be open-minded, be vulnerable, right? uh, Be more open-hearted, open-minded, open-hearted. I can work with anyone, honestly. It's just more that the person needs to have a desire to grow and learn and realize that it takes stepping out of your comfort zone to do that. Totally. And what you're saying about like growing and learning, obviously there's a lot of different like positions that can be used to help an individual, a life coach, a therapist, consulting, or being a mentor. Can you kind of describe what the difference is between those like type of jobs or those types of you know career paths? I feel like that's something that I have always been a little bit confused on. And you helped me out with this a couple months back, but just for mm-hmm. others to hear about it. Yeah. So coaching is different than other, uh, we call them helping professions. Right. Um, and so coaching is different than therapy. And the, the definitions that I'm giving, I want to say also are like really general definitions. And, you know, obviously, you know, different therapists and different consultants and different mentors, they have different styles. And, but I'm going off um, my definition of what coaching is and my understanding of what therapy, consulting, and, and mentorship is on a general level. So the definition of coaching, though, from the International Coaching Federation, which is the the world's kind of biggest entity, professional coaches, where they um, you know create a high standard of coaching. There's core competencies of what coaching is, what coaching isn't, and we define coaching as really a, a partnership between two people, like a coach and a coachee, or a coach and a client, to really um, co-create uh, the future for, for, for the client and to really help the client maximize his or her or their, uh, potential personally and professionally. And I like to further that definition of coaching. It's really to help people It's not even maximize their potential because that indicates the limit, right? I don't like limits, right? So I actually further that definition. And I say coaching, it's not only to help people maximize their potential, but it's really to help them discover their unknowable potential. It's to open up their unknowable, unlimited potential, which I think is really cool because we don't, we don't know what we're capable of unless we push ourselves a little further than we thought we could go. And then it's kind of like the metaphor at the gym. It's like, actually today I was working out with my trainer and it was like, um, you know, she gave me a certain weight. Uh, I was doing something with uh, 25s. And so this is so heavy. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I could do it, but I did it. So it's like, I didn't know I could do that until I did it. So then, then next time I can do 30, but I wouldn't have known I could do 30 if she didn't push me to do 25 because last time I did 20, right? So anyways, so coaching is more focused on um, 
kind of like creating the future. There's more action focused. And the difference between therapy and coaching is traditionally therapy is more focused on trauma from the past or really trying to understand maybe emotional trauma or emotional blockage from the past. And coaching, like I said, is more focused on creating action moving forward, becoming self-aware of maybe patterns of uh, limiting beliefs we have or feeling patterns we have that hold us back or thinking patterns and um, action patterns. So it's not to say that the past does not come up in coaching. In fact, the past comes up all the time, but it's definitely not a focus on the past. And it's not a focus on understanding uh, maybe some trauma or something from the past that really had a big negative impact on us that we're still unable to move forward from. So that is a distinction. So of course, in coaching, people do bring up maybe um, a negative experience they had with their partner or their boss or their friend or their parent. But then as a trained coach who is a member of the International Coach Federation, if I see that a client is continuing to focus on something from the past and they're unable to move forward or to follow through on our action steps because of that inability to move on from something from the past, it's actually an obligation of mine to actually have a conversation with the client to, you know, to, ha- to see if they're open to exploring maybe um, other forms of help like the form of a therapist. And I may actually have to end the coaching relationship because if they're not actually following through with their actions or not making any type of forward momentum because of an emotional blockage they're having, then there's only so much I can do. So I'm not serving them, nor is coaching serving them. So does that make sense a a little bit more between therapy and coaching, Will? Yeah, definitely. No, that helps out a lot. And then there's a difference between coaching and consulting. So coaching, rarely do I directly give advice and rarely do I directly tell you what to do. Coaching, I I like to say, it's not that as a coach, I don't have the answers, I have the questions, right? So I have the really deep, powerful questions that really has taken years for me to really hone those powerful questions, the powerful listing. But I ask questions to help you to dig out what's already inside of you. I help you reflect on things you haven't thought about. I ask you questions to mess with your thinking to help you become a fuller, more vibrant, you know, more better version of yourself. Consulting is directly telling someone what to do. It's giving advice. Sorry, what, you're going to say something, Will? Oh, I was going to ask you, sorry for cutting you off. I was just going to say, could you give me an example of maybe a scenario of one of those questions that you might ask someone based on an experience they had? Yeah. uh, A lot of times a coach, like I said, is the mirror. And one of my favorite questions is after a client maybe sharing a long-winded story. I let, I let them talk and they're like venting or talking about something. You know, I just take a deep breath and I ask them, what's this really about? And that's all I have to say. And then they're like, wow. And then we start, we just get to the heart of it. Because like I said, they might be talking about, you know, their business partner and blah, 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 blah. And then they're just heard this, this is it. I'm listening, listening, listening. And then I'm like, okay. What's this really about? And then it gets to the core of it that, you know, it's maybe at the heart of it, they realize it's about fear or they feel betrayed or they feel a lack of confidence or they feel angry about something. Uh, So another one of my favorite questions is I always ask, you know, what's the biggest change you need to make in yourself in order to move forward, right? Because coaching is all about the being, the being meaning what needs to shift in you, maybe in how you think and how you behave, 
Because consulting, like I said, is about directly giving advice, right? Like if you're having a problem with, let's say your girlfriend, a consultant, you know, or a relationship consultant might be like, you need to do this, this, and this, and, you know, talk to your girlfriend about this. But a, a coach in its pure form doesn't really tell you what to do in that circumstance. A coach helps you think deeper and helps you think about things that maybe you haven't thought about, or help you look in your, within yourself to think about really what, what may need to be done. Um, in the business world, once uh, consulting, there are there are great business consultants, by the way, um, business consultants or even college consultants, right? It's directly saying like, hey, based on your SAT scores, based on your GPAs, these are the colleges you should apply for you, and you should do this major. That's directly telling what to do. A coach might be like, well, based on your gut instinct, you know, what college jumps out at you the most or based on what you know in your heart of hearts. Where do you want to go to college? Do you see how it's different? Yeah, no, totally. So being able to ask more question based rather than telling. Correct. Which is really hard for some newer yeah, coaches because totally. they're like dying to give advice. They're like, oh my gosh, this is what I think you should do. So at the heart of coaching, it's believing though, and knowing that you, the client has all the resources and all the answers, and you already have everything within you to be successful. A coach helps you bring it out because consulting, you're hiring a consultant for subject matter expertise on things that you don't know. So it is maybe if you're hiring a business consultant, be like, hey, tell me what to do. I need to scale to make $500,000 this year. <laughs> tell me what to do and I'll do it. And there are consultants who do that. But a coach is a little bit different where you, you could tell a coach, yeah, I really want to scale my business this year and make $500,000. And then a coach helps them discover and try new things and grow their awareness and, um, you know, shift how they think and how they feel in order to generate the, the $500,000 if that's their goal. Um, and then lastly, mentorship. So mentoring in the traditional sense is also uh, there's a mentor and a mentee. So the mentee is working with a mentor to learn the skills of that trade, to learn what that person is doing and to try to become that. Uh, so with my clients who hire, uh, you know, 99% of their time, I'm not a mentor because they're not learning to become a coach. With that said, I do do mentor coaching where I do, I have worked with mentees who I, I listen to their coaching. I give them feedback on their coaching. I directly work with them and they, they watch me and they listen to what I do because they want to become a master coach like I am. So mentorship is where the person who's uh, uh, your mentee, who's under your, I guess, tutelage is trying to become what you're doing, right? So okay. does that make okay. sense? Yeah, no, that, that was very helpful. And I now I have a clear distinction of like what the, the four different types of, you said the helping, what was it called? Uh, we call, I call them helping professions. Helping professions, gotcha. And, you know, going off that, I know, like, when we talked a couple of weeks back, you asked me, like, do you see yourself possibly wanting to become a life coach? And, like, since you've talked about, or since we've talked about that, I've thought more and more about it and, like, more and more about doing it. I thought, like, down the road, maybe I'd want to do it, but maybe I'd want to do it, like, in a year or a couple of years from now. And, you know, obviously being, like, younger and, like, when you started out, like, was there any imposter syndrome that you had maybe with helping people that were older than you who've had more life experience? I would love to learn about how you handled that if you did and you, you know what advice you have for people who might be starting out as life coaches or mentors or consultants or therapists. That is a great question. Um, 
Well, when I first started out, remember, I was actually working with teenagers. So I had a few years on then. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. But then now, definitely, um, the majority of my clients probably are older than me, honestly, because if I, when I, if I work with CEOs or people who have had a lot of success in the corporate world, they're going to be tend to be older. Right. But here's, here's the thing though. It's really becoming aware of one's relationship with imposter syndrome, right? So imposter syndrome in this case, maybe like doubting yourself. Am I good enough? Um, maybe thinking, oh my gosh, can I really do this? And I will invite you and people to shift their relationship with imposter syndrome. Then imposter syndrome can actually be a good thing because it means that you're challenging yourself. It means that you're doing something out of your comfort zone, right? So it's not, the goal is not to not to have imposter syndrome. The goal is, is having a great relationship with imposter syndrome. Meaning, yeah, I get nervous all the time still, you know, and still sometimes I'll be, you know, get nervous talking to a potential big client. But then my relationship with imposter syndrome has really improved because I'm like, oh, this means I, if I feel nervous about something, if I feel uncomfortable or um, doubting myself, it means that it matters to me. It means that it's important to me. And it means that I'm stretching myself in some way. So I would actually say, if you don't have imposter syndrome, that that's the bigger problem, because it means that you're doing something that you've already done. It means you're, you know, too comfortable. And it means that you're not growing and stretching yourself. Um, in fact, that's a neuroscience thing. You know, I, I actually partner with some uh, two wonderful neuroscientists and I teach coaches the neuroscience of coaching. And there is something called the sweet spot um, in, in our brain where it's like your, our brains are most optimal when we find that sweet spot where something is challenging enough that it's, you're not going to fail at it every single time where it's going to be discouraging, but it's got to be challenging enough that you, you won't hundred percent succeed at it every single time either. So that's, that's that beauty of finding that sweet spot. So a little bit of imposter syndrome or a little bit nervous where it's not guaranteed you're going to win, but it's also not guaranteed you're going to lose. That's what we want to find. Right? Because if, if I knew 100% of the time that I'm going to close the deal, that's not fun anymore. And I'm not even stretching my brain and stretching myself. Like if I only, it's kind of like only playing basketball with like 10 year olds, <laughs> you know, you know, that, you know, you're, you're going to win every time. That's not fun. But if you're, or if you're playing, only playing basketball with, you know, LeBron and, and Michael Jordan, that's not fun either. Because yeah, I mean, it'll no. be fun because it'll be an awesome experience. But the idea that you're probably not going to win ever if I play with like LeBron and Shaq and Michael Jordan. So where can I find that sweet spot where I'm challenged enough, where I, I'm with a group of people that like, you know, I'm going to lose some, I'm going to win some, but I'm going to learn a lot. And I think it's the whole idea of reframing your thoughts because you can get down on yourself a lot for many different things. And even if you're succeeding at a high level, you, if your focus isn't there and your focus isn't on the right things of appreciating like the little wins, then it's not going to matter because at the end of the day, like a lot of what we're doing is to be happy, or at least we hope that's the feeling we want to get. Sometimes we're unsuccessful at it, but if we're not like redirecting our focus in a positive way, then, you know, what's the point? And like having that growth mindset is really important. And I love you're using the term reframe. That is an official coaching term. <laughs> so, uh, helping people put a different lens on a current situation to, to reframe it. Yeah, exactly. And 
I want to kind of shift gears a little bit here, but you know, still staying on the topics. But I saw in one of your other Facebook posts, I'm referencing a lot of them, but the whole idea of the three, I think you said like levels of health, creating mm-hmm. health, being sick and being non-sick. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we think of, oh, we're either healthy or we're not healthy. But there's kind of like that middle ground uh, where we might not be improving that much. Could you kind of speak a little bit to those and like what the differences are of those three different levels of health? Yeah. And thanks for bringing that up. And this is actually quite appropriate, those three levels of, um, so in this case, there's like, you know, physical health is most of what I was referring to is, you know, uh, being sick is if one is overweight or one's on medication or if one is high blood pressure and all those physical sick things. And then um, non-sick, the uh, creating health. Creating health is where you're every day proactively doing something to be in better health. You know, maybe it's making sure you try to get in that exercise, you know, make a healthy choice at lunch and dinner, drink your water, you know, get in your steps. See, that's proactively creating health. So if you're not, and then there's the uh, the level called non-sick. So non-sick is when thankfully you're not sick. So you're, you know, in a, you know, good weight range, you have good energy and you're not on any medication, but you're not proactively creating health. You're basically doing nothing and kind of waiting until one day you get sick. Because if you're not proactively, intentionally trying to create health, then you're eventually going to get sick. And I think that's a really great question because that applies to physical health, right? You could either be sick, non-sick, or creating health. But that's basically a metaphor for life as well, to think about three levels of life success. You can either be creating the future you want, you could, or you could be in a state of where you know you're miserable. But then there's also something called default, right? So the three stages of default words are you're not doing anything either. I mean, your life's n- n- not miserable, but but maybe you're not, but you're definitely not go, going after what you want either. So it's kind of status quo. And I believe that, you know, being status, being with you, if you know your life's miserable, you know, then one knows that they need to get out of that situation. But I think the most dangerous life stage and health stage is non-sick and status quo, because that's a comfort zone where you're like, well, I haven't had a heart attack, so I guess I don't need to like exercise today. Or it's like, oh, well, I'm not broke and destitute and homeless, so I guess I don't need to put effort into my goals. So I really want to invite listeners to really think about what stage are you in, in your life? Are you creating your future or or are you in the state of life is miserable or are you in the state of status quo and um, doing nothing? And I, and then, or in the health areas, it's, are you in creating health, non-sick or sick? So I invite everyone who is in the categories of sick, non, sick, non-sick, and life is miserable and status quo to really think about what would creating health and creating the future you want look like. What would it look like if every day you intentionally did something to create the life you want, to create the health you want? Because without deliberately going for it, it's not going to happen, right? And that's where, what, in my opinion, having just being like just 
sitting there and doing nothing and having life happen to you, I think is one of like the worst things ever for me is like, I want to know that, Hey, at least I know that every day I'm trying to give my best shot to create a life that I love to create my, uh, a healthy life. Am I perfect? Of course not. But it's a mindset thing too, to know like that I'm moving towards something rather than just status quo and being okay with nothing ever changing. And this isn't just physically, this is just everything related to your goals and like what you're doing, or is it physically? Like- oh, it's, well, it's everything. I mean, everything. Yeah. It's everything. I mean, the post you're referring to was more related to physical health, right? Because of my physical transformation I've had in the last couple of years. Um, but it really applies to anything, right? I mean, even listeners who I imagine a lot of your, the listeners are maybe college students or, you know, young adults. It's like, where are you on those three levels of success? Is it like miserable, you know, status quo, which is you're just kind of letting life go by and you're kind of going through the motions or are you actually creating your future? Because the future that you want, your dreams, your goals, it takes effort. You got to create it. It's got to, you got to make it happen. Otherwise, if you sit around thinking about it, like, oh, I wish I, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do that, then nothing happens, right? It's, it's like that saying, you know, there's seven days in a week and someday is not one of them. I've never heard that before. That's really good. So another idea I kind of wanted to talk about, which kind of goes along with what we were just talking about just now is the idea of filling up your day with things to keep you busy in a way that it like kind of distracts you from your focus and makes you think that you're being productive when you really aren't. Yeah. There's something in coaching called making distinctions and distinctions is being able to separate like two ideas to really help one make the distinction between, you know, what, what, what they think they're doing and what they're actually doing. And that's a distinction in itself is what you think you're doing between what you're actually doing. But the distinction that I like to make based on what you're sharing is helping someone become aware. Am I being productive or am I just busy? Like busy versus productive. And you're right. I think everyone's busy these days. Right. Um, and I remember being an undergrad, it's very busy, right? There's, um, yeah extracurriculars, their social life, you know, there's school, of course, right? That's the purpose, you know, the main purpose of college is, you know, is school. But are you actually being busy or productive? So what that means is busy is just filling your time doing stuff all day, you know, busy work, um, waste, you know, I don't know, wasting time on social media, if it doesn't matter or scrolling on Instagram, I mean, it's kind of filling your time with busyness, right. Or running around town or helping a lot of people, but maybe it doesn't really help yourself at all. Um, And that could be a different topic we talk about also (laughs) is, you know, I think it's really great to be helpful for other people, but we also have to remember our own goals and our own dreams and aspirations. So that's the, so the distinction between being busy and productive is are the activities you're doing helping you move towards who you want to become and what you want to achieve or your dreams and goals? Because if, if you're not doing something, at least one thing every day, that's important to you and meaningful to help you become that version of yourself that you want to become, you know, then you're just filling yourself up a lot of busy, busy work, right? 
So sometimes I help people make an MIT, which we call most important task. Like every day, make one MIT that helps you move forward towards where you want to go. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing, but it's like an MIT is non-negotiable. Meaning like if without fail, if you at least finish that one most important thing, that MIT, then at least you can feel good that you made one step closer to where you want to go. Whether it could be sending that email you've been wanting to send or finishing that spreadsheet for that side business you've been wanting to do or making that one appointment with your professor to ask him or her about something. Right. So the M, so at least doing one MIT a day is could be productive. Right. So it's really each person listening, having an honest look at yourself. Are you just busy doing lots of stuff that does not help you move towards who you want to be and where you want to go? Or are you being productive? Because the thing is, being productive doesn't necessarily take a lot of time. Right, because one that one email that you've been putting off. Let's say you shoot that one email, and then as a result of that email, so many wonderful things happen. That is super productive, and an email could just take ten minutes, right? So I think uh, does that help with your uh, question? Totally. And like building off that, let's say you are being productive, you're getting a lot of stuff done. How can you? be able to be working hard, but not be so attached to the outcome of things? Yeah, so that's a great question. So in coaching, we always talk about focus on the process, not the outcome, right? And you may have heard before that it's all about the journey, not the destination, right? You've probably heard that before, but it's really true. It's hard not to focus on the outcome because we want to achieve something. But if when you let go of the outcome, and you just focus on what's in your control, which is those, actually, that's a good segue when I talk to the MITs, right? If you just focus on one thing a day, which is the process, and then let go of the outcome, your outcomes will naturally happen. Because every single day, if you're making progress towards the process, and just focus, because the process is what you can control. The outcome, you can't. Right? And that's a really, really important um, distinction to help people understand is what you can control, but what you can't control. Process is totally in your control. And I, when I used to work with a lot of college students and teenagers, I would ask them, are you in control of your grades? And they would, they would say yes, they would think they are. But ultimately, you're not in control of your grades. Who controls your grades? The teacher. It's the teacher, yeah. but who can control the amount of effort you put into study? You. That's on you. Because whether your teacher gives you an A on an essay, that you can't control that. But you can control the hours you put into writing the essay, the research you did, setting aside time to write the essay, setting aside time to maybe get a rough draft and have a TA look at it, have a friend proofread it. Do you see that's focusing on the process? So if you put effort into the process, the outcome's just gonna, you know, be a good outcome, but we can't control the outcome, right? Just like I can't control what other people are gonna do, what other people are gonna think, what other people are gonna feel, but I can control the process of me trying to be my best self. Right? Yeah, and it's just, and it really is so much pressure too, because you know, fixating on something you can't control is very stressful, and in a way, it's a waste of time and energy. 
Like, why am I going to just fixate on something that I can't control? So I'm just going to put all my attention and energy into the process of doing things. And then um, it leads to more confidence too, because if I say I'm going to study for one hour today and I finish that, Ooh, that feels really good. And I feel productive and I feel confident. But if I focus on, I'm going to get an A on my test today, then I'm just going to be stressed out because I can't control that. Wayne Dyer, he always says like, be open to everything and like attached to nothing. And I think that's a really powerful quote. It kind of goes along with what you're saying in the sense of being open to doing that hard work or putting in that time with something that you might not have as much experience with, but also not being attached to anything to the point where you get down on yourself for maybe not succeeding or getting the result that you wanted, which is really important. I don't want to take up uh, any more of your time, Hayden, um, but obviously I'll, I'm sure I'll have you on at another point, but is there anything else that you, I might not have covered for this episode that you might want to mention before we conclude things here? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I, I love the work you're doing. I love your podcast. I love that it's called 19 year old drink. <laughs> and I think I was, when we first met, it was just such a pleasure meeting you. And I think when we talked the other day, just kind of talking a little bit about what we want to talk about today, I want to emphasize what you said, that you said that the message that you want a lot of people your age to know, that it's no matter what they're going through, you know, they're not alone, to have the courage to talk about it, to have the courage to be vulnerable and talk about their emotions and know that no matter what challenge you're going through, even if it feels really hard at the time, that we can get through it and, and you can get through it. And, and like I said earlier, that's really the philosophy of coaching is that everything that you want, everything you need to be successful, you already have, right? So no matter what hardship you're going through, you can, you can find a way out of it. You can grow from it. You can learn from it. And I think it was really great that you emphasized that, that you really wanted to make sure that your listeners know that. And I wanted to, you know, um, double down on that, that it's definitely true that we are capable of so much and there's so much within us to offer the world and just remember to not give up on whatever you're going through is that there's always, um, there's always a way and there's always someone there who can help you. Yeah. And thanks again so much for giving me all that information and having all these conversations with me. And uh, I really appreciate all the you know, insight that you've given me into my own life and a lot of the wisdom that you provided has been really helpful, Hayden. And for people who might want to reach out to you, what would be like good social media accounts that they could reach out to just to learn more? Please follow me on Instagram, um, Hayden Lee Coaching. That's H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-E-E Coaching. And um, on my website, you can just visit HaydenLee.com. You can check out my website. And then I also have a YouTube channel, which is also Hayden Lee Coaching, where I have um, you know some videos about coaching and then a lot of videos about the Enneagram, which we didn't get a chance to talk about. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. The Enneagram <laughs> in the near future. But yeah, I think... But Instagram is probably a great way to uh, see what I'm up to and my worldview, how I see the world. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I'll be sure to put those in the show notes too, so people can have them in multiple different ways. Um, if you want to reach out to me, everybody, my Instagram page is 19 year old shrink podcast. 
And my personal page is WJG23. But thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Take care.